Welcome to the podcast. I'm Courtney Brame, and today I'm here with Erin DeVost, who I've constantly called DeFrost, and it's written on her Instagram page, Herpaderp. Is it just Herpaderp or Herpaderp Podcast? Uh, it's just Herpaderp. I love that name. It's just so fun to say. Herpaderp. And then you can make <laughs> playful voices around it. Erin, you also host a podcast that can be found on YouTube. Yes, um, it's called Herpaderp Podcast, but the official name is Herpaderp. And it is a podcast about uh, breaking the stigma on herpes and empowering the community. So a lot of my podcast has to do with uh, breaking the stigma, but also finding ways to live a more positive and healthy lifestyle around herpes as well, looking at the mental and physical health and also looking at your emotions too. Because in a way, like when you get diagnosed with herpes, you go through this emotional process of trying to understand what it actually is, but also how you can move forward in life. So... Uh, which is really, I only started uh, a few months ago, back in August uh, 2018. And so from there, I've just kind of been um, talking a lot about my story to get really listeners um, comfortable and into the eyes of someone who has herpes. I have herpes type 1 uh, genital. It was just, um, I guess, a cool way to kind of bring ourselves together and to really find members in the community too, which is why I'm so glad that I found something positive for positive people. Your podcast, Courtney, has really um, opened my eyes to knowing that the community is a lot bigger than who we actually are. How long ago were you diagnosed? Sure. I was diagnosed uh, probably three, about three years ago. I like to call it my H anniversary. It was actually <laughs> this month. So... Uh, yeah, so a few years ago, um, you can listen to my first episode. I talk about um, how I found out, and it was kind of uh, going through that emotional roller coaster as well. So finding out at a concert was not <laughs> exactly ideal. What concert was it? <laughs> um, it was called Ciderstock. It's like a little uh, music festival that happens at a local cidery um, that we're a part of, and just going through, you know, the process of finding out then but go feeling it physically as well and kind of having those uh doubts for a little bit so do you do you still go there uh, no <laughs> whenever i see the event pop up i'm like oh no like i can't yeah <laughs> I can't go back. i'm like that too about certain things um like i like and dislike certain songs according to what was going on in my life around that time so there's certain music that i just won't listen to i'm like turn that shit off but it's like music that people really love how much time passed between your diagnosis and when you decided to do the podcast? I'm not asking when you started the podcast, but at what point did you think to yourself, hmm, maybe I should talk about this, or maybe I should talk about this openly and publicly? Absolutely. Um, so it took me, since from my diagnosis, it's been a few years, but I started getting the idea maybe about uh, sometime Earlier this year, actually, like I'm a career graduate student at Syracuse University, um, getting my master's in communications, and I was in a social media class, and one of our uh, projects that we had to do was come up with a social media strategy. And so for a while, I had always wanted to like open up about having herpes, because I know I wasn't alone out there. There weren't that many resources in terms of uh, platforms for sharing uh, with 
having herpes. And so what I did was kind of take on the social media project and brought it to an opportunity to be like, okay, like maybe I should like start a podcast or start a social media strategy and developing uh, herpes kind of movement around it. And so one of my friends who uh, works part-time at a radio station was helping me in terms of uh, getting like the qual- like the sound quality, but also making sure that I have a clear message going into uh, this podcast as well, being consistent in what uh, I needed to do to get uh, the message across. So what made me empowered uh, the most was just realizing that where I live didn't have as many resources. So I figured if I reached out on like a national or even now global um, scale, which I know we'll talk about hands in a little bit, which is just seeing that the community is a lot bigger than who we are, not to feel as small, if that made sense. This was put together by Janelle Marie Pierce from the STD Project, and it launched on Herpes Awareness Day, which was October 13th. And what we did that day was a a series of things. So um, Belize Spivy, who runs a lot of uh, women's support groups, let us know. She's like, hey, National Herpes Awareness Day is on this day, October 13th. And uh, collectively, we decided to just get do away with the word national and just make it Herpes Awareness Day. So what we did was there were two hashtags that were associated with it, and they were hashtag what stigma and hashtag I have herpes and. And we didn't receive any negative feedback. Um, a few people took it upon themselves to open up publicly about having herpes. They used the hashtag, made a selfie and said, I have herpes and I'm tired of hiding. I have herpes and I'm feeling sexy in my bikini. It was amazing to see the support, the number of people who contributed to the hashtag, I have herpes and, and then um, bringing in the support from the people around us was very It was very moving to see that as well because it gave people who don't have herpes or who don't want to open up about their status an opportunity to contribute as well just by saying hashtag what stigma and saying something positive about someone they know who is living with herpes. And I got a few ego strokes from some friends of mine, but I was just happy that they were willing to post and just let the people they know that they know of a resource that they can connect them to so we'll talk a little bit more about hands as the episode moves on but we want to talk about herpiderp (laughs) real quick if you could give us a little bit of an overview of your experience because i think it's important for the listeners to know what your motivation was behind really starting this podcast now i know your story from listening to i listened to the first three episodes and i saw that there's six or seven now Yep, six right okay. now. Before we get into all of that, like, let's hear a little bit about you. So you were diagnosed three years ago. You were in a situationship. Like, what do we want to call it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say he's just a friend. Um, but I had been in this... Hold on, just for a second. I'm allowed to swear, right? Yes, you, you can. Want. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to ask that. How I found out I had herpes was... So I had been hooking up with this guy I'll call him my friend for a few years now and so we hadn't been together in a relationship but we had been constantly just being physical together like sneak out of the parents house kind of um, relationship kind of way and so we uh just one day or I guess I could say that one day a few years ago we 
it was just one day it didn't feel right at all. And so I was trying to, you know, figure on that, like when the herpes symptoms like start, like especially getting it um, down the general area, it's very uncomfortable. And so to realize that um, something else was wrong was just so, because of course, like you go automatically to WebMD when these types of things happen and you're just kind of like, oh, like and herpes ended up being one of the results. And I was like, that I we were in denial. I didn't want to believe it at first. So I was lucky enough to get an appointment, which happened to be on a Friday, to see, you know, what was going on. And so when I went to go in and get tested, they said they might know like what it is, but are unsure and wanted to take the necessary tests. And that will let me know later this weekend, because I told them I didn't want to wait until Monday, especially since it was a pressing issue. And so I hadn't been given any medication or anything because I wasn't sure like what exactly was wrong. And also I was in denial, I'm not gonna lie about that in terms of what I had. And so the next day I ended up going to, um, as I mentioned earlier, the Cider Stock, which is a local musical festival that is where I am, I'm in New England. When I had gotten there, I started drinking the cider that was available and it was just all of a sudden I was just starting to not feel well at all like it started to hurt to pee and I was just like there is something wrong with me like I just didn't want to be with anyone that I was with just you know just really feeling like this is not good like in terms of what I have and so I had continued on the night like to continue to press through the pain the emotional piece of trying to figure out what was wrong with me and then the next day I had received a call from the emergency doctors from my OBGYN and they had told me I had herpes. When I had first heard that moment I was surprised but not surprised but I was mostly surprised at how did I get this? How did I obtain this when I've been hooking up with uh, my friend for the past few years and that we had trusted each other and I thought we were open in enough communication that we would have said we at least like slept with someone else like during this whole situation and so I had to confront him that day like that was very I had to tell him like what I had it had to be in person and to just you know as we all know what we've gone through like to disclose is such a big deal too and to say it like right off the bat and to just be really confident in saying it and saying that like what you have and maybe the person who um you've been active with had that so it was just a very uh, emotional roller coaster kind of time but also uh, it was very eye-opening um, in a way, because, you know, you literally think that your life is over, like your sex life is over. And I had never and still haven't like never been in a serious relationship before. So to have herpes and to never be in a serious relationship made me feel that I could not be loved in this way because I had been so consistent with this one person that I will be continuously rejected for the rest of my life like I literally felt like cursed in a way so it was just a very hard time but to really pull yourself through and to really make yourself like turn around mentally like for to not like stigmatize yourself I think it's definitely like one of the biggest things that 
we have to realize once we are diagnosed is that we are not alone to also understand your emotions and like what causes like the outbreaks as well so because it can happen any time in terms of like you're not sure the span of time like when you may have gotten it but when you do have it and then put it to realization like it's just um kind of just rambled there but (laughs) you're fine when you confronted him what was his reaction he was very shocked he at first he didn't like believe it himself there was this the one point where he was um jokingly like we were texting before we met in person before i had told him he was just like oh like do you think um is this bad enough that you're gonna talk cut my dick off and I was like yeah probably like if you don't <laughs> um kind of thing if so y'all could see my face seriously the fact <laughs> well the fact that he didn't like take it seriously at first like the fact that he wasn't sure what was wrong um and so to kind of like put that play well I shouldn't say play on words but in the way that is yeah. but he was very shocked and he was very unaware that this could have been it kind mm-hmm. of thing and so did he say that he had been with anyone else other than you? He said he had slept with someone else in the span between him and I. Like, it was just within, like, the first few months, but he didn't tell me. So that's the thing. So, mm-hmm. so and this was your only sexual partner at that point in time, correct? Yes, during that span we had been together, yes. Okay. Did you guys, and you can feel free to say fuck off if you want to, but did you guys continue the intimate relationship going forward? We had continued to for it for a bit, yes. And so I'm glad you asked that because it was, you know, it was a comfort level. Yes, like, <laughs> that's what I was... <laughs> That's exactly what I was getting at. Because in your most recent episode, you mentioned that life is going to continue to teach you the same lesson over and over again until you get it right. And so you're diagnosed with herpes. Um, This is the only person you've been with. And I don't know if he's ever lied to you about it, but when you guys were having your intimate relationships and you guys came back to one another, was there ever the question of getting tested or have you had any other partners were there any concerns there definitely I mostly led that conversation in terms of being like okay well who else have you slept with and have you been tested yourself in order to really find out if this is from you and so it actually took him a while to get tested or to even like consider it because I felt he must have been in some sort of denial of it but realized maybe he has it and feels the need to not get tested if that makes sense yeah and I, I don't know if that's a guy thing but I know it was something that I did for sure it was whenever I went from one partner to the next to the next if the most recent partner had told me yeah, I just got my wellness exam, and I don't have any STDs, I'm clean, and I use air quotes when I say that because it's not the word we want to use, um, but whenever they would say that, I would be like, oh, okay, good, I'm good too then, if you're good, I'm good, and that was my metric of determining whether or not I had an SCI, it was like, oh, okay, I'm good to move on to the next. Did you have this conversation with him prior to your diagnosis, or did you have it after the diagnosis? The one time we had a conversation about, so it was like when we first started having unprotected sex. And so I told him like being like, 
are you sure? I kept asking, like, are you sure? And, like, are you okay? Because for me, like, I get tested pretty regularly. Like, I have annual appointments and such. And so I knew I was okay. But to know, then he was just like, yeah, I'm okay, too. You're sure kind of thing. He never brought up if he's ever been tested before Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But it was always how you mentioned it, being like, well, you're good, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of thing. (laughs) I know that that's a really effed up way to go about that, just because there are things that don't show symptoms in men or don't show symptoms in women. And it's the lazy thing to do. I don't even want to call it lazy. It's the easy thing to do. And I don't like to call things right wrong but it's really more so about easy and right the right thing is usually going to be challenging and having to get tested as a guy they stick this q-tip down your dick hole sometimes i don't know if it's sometimes but they did that to me once and i was like i never want another (laughs) sc and then i found out oh you can just draw my blood i think the college campus health department was just They were just trying to discourage me from wanting to have sex or something. I don't know what the goal was there. But bringing it back to the point of the universe teaching you the same lessons over and over again until you get it right. Would you say that this was kind of an example? Like you guys no longer have an intimate relationship with one another, do you? We have a friendship, yes. Mm -hmm. I agree in terms of, and I've mentioned it before, like the patterns of you can't get out of a pattern until you realize the lesson. And so I definitely agree this was definitely to being diagnosed with herpes and like kind of being with him made me realize this is a pattern. Like, And if I continue this, who knows it can project to like even more i mean yes we have herpes kind of like now what (laughs) like what else could i possibly have kind of thing but it's definitely eye-opening in that sense how we need to recognize those patterns it took me years (laughs) to realize it and to continuously think he would be with me too and we have a really great friendship right now like i can't deny that especially since we've been each other's support systems but to be intimate again is really hard to get over in terms of i feel like we can't really have that the easiest way to break a pattern you recognize is to kind of just stop doing it did you stop doing it or like when you noticed a pattern that it was easy to go back to someone with herpes because that's what I'm getting at for for the people who are newly diagnosed with herpes and they have gotten it from a partner and there's all kinds of different circumstances but to give you a few examples if this is someone who abuses you in a relationship if this is someone you feel stuck with if this is someone you feel like you're settling with if you feel like you can't do any better and you continue to maybe venture out a little bit and then you get scared and go back into that fall back to that person because it's the easy thing to do you're not learning your lesson because you're constantly spinning yourself on the hamster wheel in order to break that pattern what steps do you have for a person who may be struggling with that based on your experience definitely well i'd have to say that realizing it is probably the biggest thing especially being like diagnosed with herpes or realizing like you're too scared to meet other people once you realize that like initial fear that you have to meet others to not feel loved only by the person who just gave it to you and such like that it's just yeah I'm trying to think of some tactics that I've 
um, done. Well, first is to stop, but to also really talk to the person about it too. Like really have an adult conversation about it. And the reason why I say it as an adult is you need to be mature enough to really end it. Because if you continue this pattern, like you're not going to break away from it and realize that there's so much more greater of opportunities for you and other people that you can meet out there that really love you for who you are and not defined by like what you have and that you think you're going to be stuck there in that mentality of just well if I have herpes and this person gave me herpes it's just like I'm meant to be (laughs) kind of thing but when really you could be finding someone who's much better for you and also more positive for you too just to really be there just to have that positive person in your life and that person may even have herpes. Like you just don't know. And statistically speaking, I think where we are right now is one in six people have herpes, a form of herpes. And I don't know the exact numbers or how soon again that's going to change. But while it's the easy thing to go back to what you know, I think that we're designed for discomfort. We're designed for challenges. Doing the easy thing is something that impacts your mental health and allows you to potentially put yourself in a bored state, allow yourself to not appreciate the positive things that you have or the things that are going on in your life that are in fact good because you're so focused on things that aren't going well for you. I reference Psycho-Cybernetics a lot. This is a book by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. A few things that he points out in this book are that the mind cannot tell the difference between what is real and what's imagined, and it helps you with identifying your self-image. So rather than allowing yourself to continue to go into these negative patterns of behavior or go back to the easy thing, you have to decide the kind of person you are. And an easy way to do that is to say things like, I'm the kind of person who dot, dot, dot. For me, I will say I struggled with continuing to go to the gym and work out. And so I had to say, I'm the kind of person who wakes up early in the morning and works out. So I began to identify with that positive behavior and I have to work out in the morning. Workouts in the afternoon for me just are not as good workouts. Whenever I don't stick to the kind of person I am and I'm associated with that behavior, it makes me feel weird. I feel it in my body. I feel it in my mind. Another thing that was pointed out in the book is how Uh, the mind works. Imagine you are on some sort of a bicycle and your mind is pedaling on that bike. As long as you're moving towards a goal, human beings are in fact goal-striving mechanisms, which means that we need challenges in life. There's going to be a conscious type of suffering to an extent. When you are conscious of the problems that you are willing to face for a particular goal, then You are better suited to combat depression. And the perfect analogy for this is being on a bicycle. So if you stop moving on that bike, you fall. But as long as you're pedaling, you're moving. As long as you keep going, you'll keep working. But when you fall off the bike, that makes you more vulnerable to those negative behavior patterns that just don't benefit you. And this book, Psycho-Cybernetics, is one that I've listened to over and over and over again. And I always catch something new. So I highly recommend that. And I'll be sure to link that in the show notes when we finish the podcast episode. But I just completely took over (laughs) your podcast episode to talk about me. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? I saw that you were nodding. Yeah, well, I'd have to say your 
points of making it. I'm really definitely interested in that book, so I'll have to um, take a look into that. It really reminded me of once I was diagnosed, I was just in such a that depressive mental state. But then I uh, reached out for a spiritual outlet. It gave me the opportunity to really focus on myself, like how you mentioned that you going to the gym, just being you know in a routine and just religious about it in terms of not thinking about the negative things in the world, but just focusing on the positive things that are happening for you right now. And so that's in a way how it connected to me reaching out to find a more spiritual outlet and to really focus on myself and health and well-being because in a way, but it had me really think about the lifestyle changes needed to break a pattern. For example, so I had um, Katie Boyd's Misfit Club. Like she is a virtual trainer that I work with. We focus on health, nutrition, wellness, but also our spiritual selves as well. And so she really helped introduce me to meditation to really take in the meditation and to also learn to let things go. Because once you can let something go then you could go on to the next level and be a better version of yourself from that that's how I took my herpes diagnosis being like yes I'm aware that I have this and now I have to take care of my body as if it is a temple and to also bring in the mental wellness of that as well and that's something people often forget too is just it is a mental thing to an emotional concept and go through in terms of the virus that we have it's a nudge in the right direction it's a speed bump metaphorically it's a lot of things but it really just highlights the other things that are going on in your life it's very easy to point the finger at herpes and blame that but if you have other lifestyle changes that need to be made for your mental health physical health your emotional health your spiritual health even that's what herpes is doing for you it's putting it under a microscope to an extent. And if you're only looking at the microscope, you're going to think that that's the problem. But if you take the time to look through the microscope and see what it's showing you, you're like, oh, I'm in a toxic relationship. I have friends around me that I don't feel comfortable sharing very uh, real things about myself to in fear of them gossiping and judging me, basically. It makes you reevaluate who you are as a person, your behaviors, and then your environment. There's always a need for change. And like I said, we're designed for challenges. And it's really easy to get into the pattern of, oh, well, I have herpes, so I'm only going to date the person who gave me herpes, despite the fact they're a shitty person. They don't have any drive. They don't want to do anything with their lives. They're comfortable with just uh, sleeping all day, missing work every now and then. Like I'm just using this as an example of someone who I wouldn't want to be around (laughs) or I wouldn't want to pick up their habits. That's another thing to consider is that the people who surround us, whether we know it or not, they're absorbing things about us and then we're absorbing things about them. Just because you have herpes does not mean you need to modify your own values, your own beliefs, according to the support system you have for comfort, please don't do that. I feel compelled to say this because I do see it a lot. And I really would love to be able to help more people just realize, like, 
the world is limitless. Like the options are limitless. As soon as you make the decision to not allow this to control you or not to allow yourself to be run by a positive STI diagnosis, the sooner you can be liberated to go off and do whatever it is that you want to do or date whoever, date yourself even. Go and get to know yourself, take care of your body, take care of your mind, take care of your emotions and take care of your spirit if that's not something you're into. Like I use spirit and emotions interchangeably because I feel like humans are connected on that level more than anything, whether it be emotionally or spiritually. You can feel someone's emotions and you connect with someone's spirit. So either or, whichever way you decide to use it, that's fine. Just do the challenging thing. Aaron, you're a perfect example of this. It was probably easy for you to just keep this to yourself until you got tired, until it got hard. And then it was like, you know what? I would rather face the challenge of rejection, having to learn myself, make changes in my life and put my face out there about herpes because it's bullshit that people feel like they have to go into hiding after a diagnosis when it's 2018 and a lot of people have herpes. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, just once you have like that realization of knowing that you can do so much better than the person who you were when your diagnosis can jump so much more forward into now and what is something so much more positive for you, but also much more in tune with what you want to do. Like herpes is a wake up call and there's no need to be ashamed of it. Like you said, it's 2018. Like it's about time we start talking about sex, herpes, just to really get it out there on the forefront. It's something we all have to face. In a way, it's life-altering, but it's not all as bad as it seems. It's not. And that's something that my doctor even kind of tells me, too. Aaron, your work that you're doing is so great, but just realize that it's not life-altering. And I'm like, I understand that, but a lot of people, it's hard for them to get over. Yeah, it's not the diagnosis itself. It's the person's response to the diagnosis that's life-altering. So for me, for example, now here I am. I went from knowing nothing about herpes to in this quest of trying to dismantle the stigma around herpes. It's made me open up about this thing that I should be so private about, so secretive about. I think it's shifted the course of my life in terms of what I do. Now I'm podcasting. Who would have known? And now I'm considered an activist thanks to the Hands Network, which is the Herpes Activist Networking to Dismantle Stigma. And it's a broad-based network of professional organizations and individual activists who share a commitment to advancing awareness, education, and acceptance of herpes in alignment with the membership and values and as is true with all advocacy we are more impactful as a cohesive unit always greater than the sum of its parts i needed to read that because i was like wait i'm saying something wrong that's just one more thing that brought us together and again janelle has been amazing in putting this thing together uh, janelle from the std project putting together a network of people who are all doing something different who have a different reach so that we can collectively uh utilize the same resources and same tools to direct all of our people like we can do so much more as a group than any of us can on our own and janelle does a lot and you do a lot with the youtube channel and there's going to be more for you to come once you start your own podcast the more people who know someone who is living with herpes the more likely it becomes where when someone discloses that other person they're disclosing to know someone living with herpes or they have an idea of 
how not to respond or how to respond and they're going to be more receptive to it. The acceptance and rejection doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that people are able to make that call based on accurate facts, based on the reality of what an STI diagnosis is. What I hope to see change is for people who disclose to feel comfortable disclosing and for the people who make the decision on whether or not to move forward with that person who disclosed to them they're able to make the call based on knowing their status and understanding what it took for this person to come and disclose to them and just be able to be upfront and honest about what their intentions were if it was i only see you as a sexual partner and now you're telling me that my interaction with you was probably going to limit my future number of sexual partners then no that's different than uh i can't do this no because now you're just helping to perpetuate the stigma in that person's mind that's a goal here it's just liberation from the stigma so that people can be free to go out and disclose to whomever they want to if there's a person or group of people that they want to be able to share that information with and hopes of moving forward in a physical or actual relationship whatever that looks like now then i want to make that easy for them definitely and our goals similarly align which is why I'm so glad that we are we were able to find hands and the fact that it only had started October 13th of this year for this movement of networking with herpes activists and you've mentioned we all have our own altar we all have our own goals around breaking the stigma but to really come together by force (laughs) necessarily is just just you know to be together and also like broaden the community of what we have and it's only going to get bigger it's only going to be a bigger movement and herpes is so common so we know that there's people out there but it's a willing to share and be comfortable um in your own skin and to be really able to adapt to the change to this movement that's really happening it's really it's such a cool thing to be a part of that we are part of the herpes activist network it's such a necessary uh thing to have out there but to also know that there is uh this one resource out there that's just going to be so defined by so many members and which is really cool to uh see that aspect play out yeah And for anyone who wants more information on that, or if you would like to get involved, you can just go to www.herpes.education. And that will take you directly to the website where you can play around on there and see what HANDS is. And you can just see a lot of the information that's there, see who's involved. And if you'd like to get involved, then you can just hit the contact us button and uh, let us know how you are able to get involved. All right, so Aaron, I think we covered everything. Was there anything else that you wanted to leave us with? And be sure to let people know how they can get in contact with you. Certainly. I have one question for you, Courtney. What is um, the best advice that you have either found or given to someone who's been diagnosed with herpes? I think the best advice comes down to self-image. I think consistently the people who have... uh, suffered through their diagnosis and then thrived from it had a moment or a time where they 
prioritized themselves and decided the kind of person that they wanted to be. It's kind of like when you see something for the first time and you like or you like it, you see it everywhere. And it seems like everybody has it but you. So the first time I came across this concept of self-image was in Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. And then I started to see it in different podcast guests. Emily DePass, she said in our podcast episode, Who Will Love Me?, one of the things that she did was she had to love herself. And it's been an ongoing thing for the people who come onto this podcast. They learn some element of self-love, self-care, and decide on the kind of person that they want to be. So whenever I'm seeing people who may post openly about being rejected or not being accepted. And I I say that because those are two different things because a rejection hurts. Like that's how it feels. Like it's painful. Whereas not being accepted is more of like an easy letdown, I guess. And the people are just more so not necessarily like painfully hurt, like it's an attack on them, but they're just mad at herpes. It's like, why do I have to have herpes? Otherwise I'd be dating this amazing person. And that's not always the case. And Another thing that comes up tying to that is how we project ourselves, how we feel about herpes is how we make other people feel about herpes. I'm at a place now where being open about my condition and being that the intention is to help people not have to struggle through the mental challenges and the emotional challenges of dealing with a herpes diagnosis. I have fun with the fact that I believe everybody who knows me or talks to me knows I have herpes. And I I believe that because I'm the kind of person who Googles everybody. So if I meet you and I talk to you or we do a podcast together or you work out with me, I'm going to Google you and see who you are. So I just assume everybody may do the same thing. Like if I'm going to work with an organization, who am I working with? I'm going to Google that person. So I'm just assuming that everyone knows I have it. So it's like when they ask, oh, I saw that you do a podcast. What's it about? Like, oh, something positive for positive people. I interview people living with STIs about their uh, condition. And they're like, oh, how'd you do that? Like, well, I have herpes and dot, dot, dot. And they're like, oh. And the look on their faces sometimes, it's like, oh, you didn't know? And when you're able to say it from such a powerful way, like a powerful state of being, it it's entertaining and it's not hurtful because I remember the first few times I've had to disclose and they weren't from a place of power or empowerment. They were from a place of, okay, how are you going to react? Like I'm looking for a reaction from the other person. And so when you bring it to who you are and yourself and you allow for the kind of person you believe yourself to be, to flourish like it, it, it's radiant, it's magnetic, and the people, the kinds of people who I have to disclose to, or I do disclose to, or have these kinds of conversations with, these people are people who are good people. Like I, I'll, I'll say that they're kind. I'll say that they just aren't shitty people who are going to run around maliciously like, Courtney has herpes, don't work with him, don't sleep with him. You know, I don't have to deal with any of that. These are the kinds of people who know I have herpes and are open to hearing more about what that looks like. They want to know what is happening through the podcast and they're able to, when they're disclosed to, or if they're disclosed to refer those people to me or the podcast or any of the resources that are available on the podcast. So coming from a place of, I would say like I'm looked at as maybe like an educator or something like that about it. The facts are out there. 
but it's more so the experiences that I focus on and being able to talk about, okay, well, you may not know this or not, but people who are newly diagnosed with herpes can fall into depression. And that's just not something that is known about herpes. Like you hear these people are shame, they're sluts, they're whores, they're all these different things. And many of us don't even fall into that category. Like talking to people who've been married, who've only had one partner, who have been in uh, one relationship, may have been cheated on, who had cold sores as a child and just learned that it was herpes. The consistent thing there is people's responses, their reactions to it. And in most cases, it starts out negative and different people respond differently from there and really just climb up the uh, levels of emotion and make their way out of it. And in my case, the most therapeutic, the most healing thing that I can do has been talking to other people about it for more people to be able to just witness and observe and make the decision themselves on whether or not they want to become an educator on this or an advocate or an ally. And since then, I've had close friends come to me and say, yeah, I have herpes or that they've dated someone with herpes. And it's just opened up the floor for more conversations about things like this. And we've gotten even deeper than just talking about herpes, which is something that nobody wants to talk about. So it's got this like positive snowball effect in just being able to identify who you are and then deciding what path you want to take. And it, the rest of it just works itself out. I know I rambled. I said a lot. People don't really ask me questions. So whenever I get a chance to talk, I do it. (laughs) (laughs) No, please. Like, like, um, you said, like, I'm, I'm a listener type of person, too, so I, like, love guiding the conversation, but to really, like, full, hear full insight is really um, inspiring to me, so. I appreciate um, that. <laughs> uh, I guess I could say um, now is, like, so how you can find um, Herpiderp podcast is you can find my channel on uh, YouTube, and I'm also on Instagram as well at Herpiderp podcast. All right. Now, you got to be careful with that because there's also the Herp and Derp podcast, which is what I was listening to for a few minutes, and I was like, I don't think this is Aaron, and they're not talking about herpes. <laughs> so it's Herp a Derp, H-E-R-P-A-D-E-R-P podcast. All right, now I can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit at H on My Chest. And this episode was done with Erin DeVos of the Herpa Dirt Podcast. And she and I are probably going to shoot the shit for a few minutes after this episode. But for you guys, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you for all of your support. Uh, to the podcast, and I probably should have said this in the beginning in case people tune out by now, but we are going to be, well, I will be speaking at South by Southwest March of 2019 alongside Laura Aisha, the host of the Ignite Intimacy podcast, who was on the Ignite Something Positive for Positive People episode of Something Positive for Positive People. as a mouthful, but... Um, Thanks to you guys. You guys voted. You guys showed up. That process was a bitch. And you had to create a new account and all of that stuff. But the it, this was something I posted a while ago on all my social media platforms. And she was pushing it. And Adriel from the H Opportunity was pushing it too. So everyone who took the time to vote for us, it worked. <laughs> like voting makes a difference. So we'll be out there. And the topic of discussion is going to be making disclosure sexy. So stay tuned for more information on that. 
And um, yeah, till next time, stay positive. What is the most awkward conversation you've had about sex? Call one eight three three nine two seven five six eight three in order to answer this question. This is for dating positives who's supporting the podcast and made me their spokesperson. So I'm really excited to announce that. I'm glad that you guys have been contributing to this podcast and allowing me to be here to just serve you. And it's just drawing the attention of other people who also support people who are living with herpes and trying to destigmatize this thing and make our lives just a little bit easier, even in the dating realm with being able to find other people that you don't have to worry about having the conversation about disclosure to, even if you're just making friends, if you're looking to date, if you're looking to hook up, whatever it is that you're looking for, um, I always encourage you just to be upfront about whatever your intentions are. So check out Dating Positives, and if you don't feel comfortable calling that call line, which is 833-YES-LOVE, shoot them a DM. They're just Dating Positives on social media, and they support this podcast. They support me. They made me their spokesperson. I've contributed a few blog posts on Waxo, which is just W-A-X-O-H. Please also go there and check it out. I just recently wrote an article about my experience of having sex after herpes and what that's been like and how I've been able to just really be open to a lot of new opportunities around that and exploring what sex is beyond just penis and vagina or penis and mild sex. So check that out. You can find it on waxo.com, W-A-X-O-H. And please don't forget to leave those voicemails, call in, and we may even be able to play your response on the podcast. So just let them know what it is that was the most awkward conversation that you had about sex by calling in that number, one eight three three yes love that's that's 833-927-5683